Uh, we have the opportunity um, here every often, every so often to do what is called an all-of-life interview. Now, the bulk of the time when we do this, we usually hear from people and their various vocations. Um, sometimes we get an opportunity to hear testimonies and how people have been uh, brought to relationship with Jesus. But today we get to hear an absolutely phenomenal story. And so we're definitely going to take the needed time to hear this story um, of one of my favorite couples in our entire church. And so would you guys do me a favor and clap long enough uh, for Ralph and Aaron to be able to make your, their way to the stage. Good job, good job, good job. Okay, so uh, thanks for bringing me a bottle. How'd you, how'd you know? Thank you. Yeah, I did. Uh, so why don't you guys introduce yourselves? My name is Aaron Amsden, and this is Miles. And I am Ralph. He's like, I exist too, but. Uh, <laughs> so so we're, we're going to hear your guys' story. And so I'm going to jump in and I'm going to give you my perspective. So uh, right around Christmas time, um, just before Christmas, I got a text message late, late in the night. And I saw my phone lighting up and I'm like, I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to answer my text. And I thought, ah, I should probably answer it. And so I look at it, and there's, I got a text message from a mutual friend that said, hey, just so you know, uh, Ralph and Aaron are in the hospital. Their newborn baby is really sick. It doesn't look good. Um, and so I, at the moment, you don't know what to do. Do I just text and say, hey, Ralph, I'm praying for you. Hey, would you like me to come? Because I like to be there in those situations. But I know everyone responds to pain and suffering very different. So I text Ralph and said, hey, um, kind of heard what happening is happening. Um, can I come to the hospital? Do you want me to come to the hospital? And he was just like, well, if you're asleep, you can stay asleep, or you can come to the hospital and be a pastor like you're supposed to. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, so, so I came to the hospital, and not really knowing what to expect, because I didn't get any um, heads up on what was happening there. And when I got there, um, the best way to describe it is things were very, very real. Um, and so I'm going to let you, Aaron, just go ahead and take it from there. Um, so Miles is our fourth child, our only daughter, um, and she was born on uh, December 9th, um, and healthy, happy baby, no problems, no issues, um, and we were super excited. We had prayed for a little girl for a while. We have three boys, and you pray for other females, um, and so uh, we um, were, you know, first couple weeks, normal newborn baby stuff, and then uh, I was um, at a friend's house on December 21st. And we were Christmas crafting in a horribly awful way. But um, that's what we do every year, and it's an annual thing. And um, I brought Miles because, you know, who doesn't want to hang out with a newborn baby? So we brought Miles, and um, we got there. Or I got there, I should say. Ralph was at home with the boys. Um, and she just seemed a little off, a little lethargic, wasn't really eating um, well. And her breath seemed a little funny. Um, but I wasn't super concerned yet. And then uh, over the next about 30 minutes, um, mom instinct, we'll just call it that, started to rise up and say, like, something's not right. Uh, and her, I know, um, and her color started to change. And I was uh, with a group of moms who I've known for a long time and I love dearly. Um, and I just kind of said, you know, does her color look off? And they said, yeah, maybe a little bit. And I said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take her to the hospital. Um, not thinking that it was going to be anything huge, thinking I was going to get to the ER and have to pay a huge deductible and they were just going to send me home. Um, but the moms I was with said we're coming. And I, you know, in true, like, Aaron Amsden way, I said, no, stay home, you're fine. Um, and they told me, you're not controlling this, we're getting in cars. And I said, okay. So uh, 
I had um, Tara Eland, who's a close friend of ours, Eland's a close friend, um, in my car with me, and then a couple others took another car. And we're driving to the hospital, which is about two, two miles away, and I can hear Tara in the back start to get um, worried doesn't describe the tone in her voice. And she starts saying, um, when we get there, she'll be out of her car seat. And I, okay, so we get to the ER, and she hands her to me through the window, um, and I start running into the emergency room, and I've got some friends in tow, and as the doctors described it, an army of moms descended on the ER, um, and, which was good, because I was not in my right mind entirely at that point. Um, and you get into the ER, and there's always kind of a line, and I was like, I don't really know what to do. And Emily Anderson just grabbed my shoulders and said no, and pushed me forward, like, you're not waiting. Um, and so I, I, you know, got some angry looks, but I didn't really care. So I got around some people, and I uh, looked at the nurse, and I said, I don't think she's breathing. And um, the nurse grabbed her from me very quick. And the next five to ten minutes um, went fast. And so uh, and within 30 seconds, he called a Club Blue. They called for crash carts. Um, and I got whisked to a back room. Uh, luckily, my friends were there to take care of all the paperwork. Um, I got whisked to the back room with Tara, where... I don't even know where these nurses and doctors came from. It felt like they dropped out of the ceiling. Um, but there were 30 people in a room with her in zero time at all. Um, and to go from thinking something's wrong to what is happening is, is a really stiff shock. Um, and they cut her clothes off, and uh, they tried to get her to start breathing right, and it wasn't working, and so they went to intubate her. And when they went to intubate her, she, at that point she was in full respiratory failure. When they went to intubate her, her um, heart crashed, and she went into cardiac arrest. So within a minute, um, there is a you know full-grown woman on top of my then 13-day-old baby doing heart compressions. And um, as you can imagine, nobody's really talking to us at the moment. There's a lot of action happening. There's people running everywhere. Nobody was moving slowly at this point. Um, and uh, we just watched, and Tara held my hand in my head um, as we watched her get compressions for about 10 minutes. Um, and just prayed, <laughs> prayed hard that, uh, that she would make it through that 10 minutes. Um, well, I didn't know how long it was going to be. Ralph hadn't made it yet, so Ralph was not aware that um, our baby had medically died on the table. Um, so by the time he got there, things had slowed down. They had gotten her heart back. Um, they were just working out some other things. They, they got the intubation tube into her, um, and then they moved us up to the PICU, and they moved us to a staging area, uh, which was just like a giant conference room, while they took her into a room with um, a whole bunch of doctors and other medical professionals to, to just see what was going on. Um, and we were probably in that room for five to six hours that night. Does that feel about right? Um, and every 30 minutes, our doctor, who that night, his name was Dr. Slinko, and um, Ralph describes it as he grew up outside of Chernobyl. So if you can imagine an Eastern Bloc accent, very, very heavy Eastern Bloc accent, giving you really bad news, it makes everything, in hindsight, a little comical, but in the moment, like, a little worse. Because um, it just sounds awful. She could have said, like, your baby is fine, and it wouldn't have mattered. Like, it just was like, that sounds bad. Um, so uh, <laughs> come to love him. He's amazing. Um, but he came in every 30 minutes and uh, basically said, um, we can't get her heart to take back over. So they uh, saved her life um, a couple more times during that time. Uh, and then uh, my mic died. There it is. Okay. Um, and then uh, he came in. Ricardo was there. Our RC leader, Daniel, had, had come. 
um, some friends had shown up at our house to take over care of our kids, which was amazing. And um, he came in and said, okay, it's, we can't get it back. Um, so you have one, you have a choice. There's, there's a last-ditch effort, and he made it very clear that it was a last-ditch effort before we start having organ failure problems, and that's called ECMO. And ECMO is a um, giant machine that essentially takes the place of your heart and your lungs so that your body can start to recuperate. ECMO is attached to you through two giant tubes in your neck. They go directly into your carotid artery. Um, and it's hard on an adult. A 13-day-old baby was a little... Uh, it was just hard to talk through. So he said, you have 30 minutes, pray over it. Whatever you need to do, talk it out. We'll, be, we'll come back and ask. That 30 minutes turned into two minutes. And he walked in the room and said, we need a decision. We need it now. Um, we're losing your daughter. And so we said yes. Um, and they brought in our surgeon, who was Dr. Cox. And she came in and, and in very grave and uh, realistic detail, explained what was about to happen to our daughter, that what she needed to do to our daughter, um, every possible complication that could go wrong, she very much stressed that the likelihood of this working was almost none. Um, in, the same, in the same vein, though, like, she had some hubris, man. She was like, if there's anybody who's going to do this, it's going to be me. Um, which, in that moment, you want. You want somebody who is confident in their abilities. Um, and so she, uh, <laughs> so um, we said, okay, we signed off all the paperwork, and she went in, and um, they set up her room that she was in as an OR, and she brought her team in, and about an hour and a half later, she walked back in and said, uh, we, got the, we got the tubes in with no issues. And she looked surprised herself. So um, no bleeding on the brain, no, uh, no carotid artery tearing, no nothing of that nature. So um, we got over that hump, and, and that, was, that was a good moment. Um, but every doctor said, you're not over the hill. So... Uh, we asked um, Dr. Slinko at the time, how long, you know, how long can she be on this? And he said six weeks. And we said, okay, what happens at the end of six weeks? Because they had, they had prepped us to say, you're going to be here for a couple months, so just be ready for that. Um, we said, what happens at the end of six weeks? And he said, you make the choice to pull her or not pull her. Um, everybody in that first night talked to us like we weren't taking our daughter home. And have to think about how you're going to tell your older boys their sister's not coming home is a really hard thing to start to process in that moment. Um, but she got on to ECMO and she did fine. Not only did she do fine, she surpassed anybody's expectations. Um, each day got a little bit better. We had some hiccups that were apparently expected. We just, you know, are not doctors. And so when they walk in and tell you your daughter's kidneys are failing, that throws you off a bit. Um, but then they follow it up with, no, we know that's going to happen, so we'll get them back. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, so her, her kidneys started to fail, her liver started to fail. They kept her, um, they kept her hypothermic, so she was, she was blue. Um, Ricardo saw her in that state. Uh, she was blue and really bloated from the kidney failing. Um, and uh, you could touch her forehead. That's about all you could touch without getting in the way of a tube or a pick line or something else that was attached to her body at the time. So um, we woke up the morning, the fifth day we were there, we woke up that morning, and um, I go in to see her, and uh, our Eastern European doctor is doing I, quite literally a jig in her, um, in her, in her room, um, and so we thought, well, this is great, and uh, he said, we're taking her off. 
and um, the nurses looked a little bit weary. And he said, we just need your consent, and we're going we're gonna, to, we're, I think her heart is strong enough, we're going to go. Um, and so uh, we said, okay. And that's a really hard decision to make in the moment because you can't go back on ECMO. Um, so the other option at that point, if she started to fail, was to crack open her chest and go directly into her heart. Um, and so we, we said, okay. And Dr. Cox came back and said, I didn't think I'd be back to take it out. I didn't think I'd see you guys again. Um, and she went and she said, I'm going to go wake up your baby. <laughs> I said, okay. So she went in and she took the, she took the tubes out with zero problems, uh, which again was unexpected and amazing. Um, and at that point, we just really had to get over the vent. So her heart had taken back over. It was still enlarged. It's still enlarged. Um, it's still enlarged. Uh, but um, her lungs had not come back yet. And so we spent the next about 15 days dealing with her lungs. Um, she uh, got MRSA while she was in the hospital in her lungs. So we had to overcome that. Um, we attempted, after about, I want to say about 10 days, they attempted to take the vent out. They thought she was strong enough. She was breathing on her own enough to take it out. It did not work. I had my baby for about six hours where I could hold her, and then uh, she went back into respiratory failure. Same thing, just a slew of nurses and doctors came in and, and got her intubated again, put her back in a coma, um, and just said, I think she needs a couple more days. Uh, and she did. She needed about three more days, and then her lungs um, took over full force. Uh, and she um, was able to come off the ventilator. So at that point, we had to um, worry about the eating piece and, and the detox. They had her on some very amazing drugs, apparently. Um, she had a lot of hallucinogens going on. Um, but uh, I know. Um, so uh, we got through that in the next couple of days, and um, then they discharged us. And the day of our discharge, um, at that point, we knew. We knew that, like... The rest of the hospital, not just Cardin's, but Banner had lead nurses were seeing her story every morning just because the progress she was making is not the progress she should have been making at all. Um, and every day we hoped for small wins, and we got those small wins, which was amazing. Um, but the last day, a lot, of our, a lot of our nurses that we had for the first couple of weeks who were um, really, the, the nurses that were there for her trauma came back to see her and uh, and just, I mean, at that point they got real truthful and just said, we, we didn't think you were going home with your daughter. Um, and our ER doctor came upstairs to see her, which was fantastic. And uh, he said, I've been doing this for 20 years. I know, um, I know when a baby leaves the ER if they're going to make it or not. And every one of us prayed for you guys that night because we didn't think she's going to make it ours. Um, now, with this story of what happened with my daughter, there's a parallel story that kind of interweaves. Um, we got there the first night, and uh, I had the moms who I love, my tribe, and you need a tribe, um, that were there, and they were uh, intent on being there in the moment with us and being in the tension and um, making sure that they were crying with us, that they were feeling with us, and that was incredible. Um, and then over the next 24 to 48 hours, this congregation showed up in a way that Ralph and I will never be able to repay or acknowledge. Um, 
the amount of support that we got, the amount of love that we got, the amount of just showing up to the hospital room with baked goods, the nurses loved you, um, showing up with socks, showing up with new pillows, showing up with reading material, um, showing up with food, just to say, like, let's just go sit and eat together and talk and let us be in this moment with you was unnatural. The amount of people that showed up to our house to put together a trampoline so that my boys could still have a Christmas, um, the amount of people who uh, coordinated where my boys were going to be so that we didn't have to worry about it, um, unbeknownst to us, we, we just trusted every day somebody had our kids. I mean, I don't know if that's crazy or not, but <laughs> um, they're fine, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the story that is almost more overwhelming than what happened with her life is the amount of love that was shown and the amount of people who saw what church and what a Christian congregation is supposed to be and what a community of believers is supposed to be. And I cannot begin to tell you the impact that that had on people in my circle and Ralph's circle, in my parents' circle, his parents, who have no idea who Jesus is, to watch and just think, like, what's different? And, and us to be able to say, this is what's different. Um, so that's our story. Thank you so much. So in like through this, um, you know, we're there and we're talking, we're face to face talking, we're text talking, and it was very difficult for you guys and and, and difficult for everybody that was. Um, that was around there. And um, one of the things you said, Ralph, that was interesting to me and very helpful for me in that moment because it, it was <laughs> it was Christmas time and I kept thinking, I can't think of a worse time. <laughs> um, and you said that something to this nature of um, I, I have, or I asked if you were upset at God or, you know, just trying to process out loud and, and you said something to the nature of, that, that you could not be upset with God, that you've had too much, God has shown up too many times in your life for you to be upset with him um, in that moment. And I just remember just, just thinking about that and just going, would I have that perspective in that moment? Because um, I don't think I would have. And so explain to me what you meant by that. Okay, so the, I think the best way to explain it is that I've been, I've been incredibly lucky to be in some circumstances that, that maybe you wouldn't imagine yourself wanting to be in, but the result of it is I've been able to see God's hand in my life, and I've been able to see God move, and as Christian speak as that sounds, I mean, when you actually see moving parts because of the hand of God, it's, it's really hard yeah. to forget. And I, I remember, you know, I told you this, you know, the first, my first memory of life is as a memory of God's provision, yeah. and a really tough day you know I was in a, a car accident with my mother in um, rural Wyoming which is all of Wyoming is there's just nothing there uh, and she didn't survive and I did I was very young and uh, I could have been days before anybody found us there's a police officer eating lunch on the hood of his car um, I mean not near a city 60 70 miles from the nearest one pulled me out took me home um, I was able to give him my address, my phone number, uh, my grandparents' address, phone numbers, things that a three-year-old shouldn't know. Hmm. You know, this is my first memory of life is, hmm. is, is you know, this and everything that progressed from that. Um, growing up was really tough. 
Um, I, I had a lot of things uh, in my life. I, I wish they weren't the way they were, but they were. And from a very young age, something that doesn't come from a five or a six or a seven-year-old was always there for me. And it took a long time for me to figure out what it was, but there was always this kind of calming presence of, you know, just, just wait, just stay ready. It'll be okay. I know it's not ideal. Just stay ready. And when I um, came to learn more about who Christ is, I'm like a high school convert, like high school camp. You know, you, you, does anybody want to walk forward? That, you know, that was me in high school. And, and for me, it was less of a conversion and more of a diagnosis. Like I finally figured out what it was that was kind of protecting me and moving through my life all those years. Um, and it was, it was just the incredible revelation that, um, you know, I've, I've had somebody looking out for me. I've had somebody looking out for my family. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, and since then, I've, I, you know, we, we've had circumstances like this, and I didn't share this with the other two services, um, and, and I, I don't know why, but I want to share it with you guys, and she's not even supposed to be here. Um, regardless of everything that happened, you know, we, we had a bunch of boys, and that's really hard, and they take a lot of energy, and, and you know, we got uh, pregnant with a fourth child, and we, you know, we panicked. And, um, and when we finally kind of came around to the idea, you know, I had people praying for us that it would be a girl and, and goofy stuff like that. You know, we went in for a routine checkup and, and they said, you know, you're not pregnant. Like you're pregnant, but nothing's there. Hmm. And, um, you know, we came here and Aaron led worship that weekend. And I sat right there and, and I watched her seek God in that moment. And, um, you know, and, and we still, it still hurt. We still went home and said, you know, we're comfortable with the family we have and, and you know, we're going to move forward this way and, and, and with our boys and we're going to love them and raise them up. And, you know, lo and behold, here she is and we make it through a scary pregnancy and she's born healthy. And then, you know, we run into this situation. And what I was thinking of in that moment is a sermon that I heard one time. It was just all on one verse, and it was really long, and it wasn't here. And I know we can spend a lot of time on a verse one, you know, but this was a lot of time on one verse. And, uh, and it, was, it was Genesis 15, 1, and it was God coming to Abraham in a dream and saying, you know, I, I'm, your, uh, I'm your reward and I'm your shield. And uh, God had promised Abraham so much, and Abraham, you know, still worried about whether God was going to deliver on his promises. Like, God, hmm. you know. Is God going to come? Of course he is, you know, but we're human and we worry. And, 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 you know, I think that was the point for me that I realized if I've seen God move and I've seen what God can do, you know, how, how can I doubt? Hmm. And in that moment that, you know, you talk about you were there when they said 30 minutes, we need a decision. Ricardo was there and he asked if he could pray for us, you know, and, and, we start to pray, and they come back in two minutes later, and they interrupt us, and they said, we need to know now. You know, are you going to make her comfortable and say goodbye, or are you going to put her on this machine? And uh, we stepped out into the hallway, and we looked at each other, and we said she was never ours in the first place. Hmm. And we have God, and he's with us, and he belongs to her. And um, regardless of the outcome, it is what it is. And you know, that might sound cold, like outside of the – the circumstance, but I mean, if you if you believe that God is who He said He is, and He's going to do uh, what He's going to do, then you know you just have to trust. Um, I, that doesn't mean we weren't still scared. You know, I walked right back into that room and told you to go home because yeah. I I was scared that 
you know, you were going to be there and they were going to come back in and say, like, it's too late, you know, and you have two boys at home and, and Daniel Zaring was there and, and he, you know, he has a daughter and I didn't want that. I was still afraid. And so we, you know, we, we sent that home, uh, we sent them home and we just, you know, we, we, we gave it up to God for those, for those weeks that we were there. Um, it was, it was really on him to work in whatever way he chose to do it. We trusted that, that it would be what, what would be. So, um, so, uh, sorry, I don't, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I'm back. <laughs> so in that moment, Aaron, uh, so when you're in the hospital and, and people are in medicine and there's a lot of people there that um, are used to the facts and what they can find and, and so forth, and you guys have this unwavering faith and commitment, and I'm not just being this and saying this in some churchy way, like they believe this, and Aaron is like a rock in this situation, and, and, and Ralph is like, you know, and Aaron's a rock, and then Aaron's parents like, you know, she's a rock, and I'm, I'm like having theological convictions here because I thought it was Jesus, but I'm like, no, it's Aaron, and, and, and so... And I'm, I'm watching you and, and watching you through this whole situation just stay, uh, calm is not the word, but just strong and rooted. And there was a moment where Ralph said, do, do you want to go see her? And it's when she was, um, um, when she, yeah. <laughs> Bad. Bad. and so, so walking out of there, I'm thinking, how do you, like, how do you, how are you maintaining this? Uh, and so tell me, what is that? I think that a lot of that comes from, uh, you have to look in hindsight. In the moment, I have no idea. I, I think you go into fight or flight response, and I think when it's me and only me, I, I tend to go flight. But when it's my children, um, it, it's fight, and it's 100% fight. Um, but in hindsight and looking back and thinking through, um, it, Ralph said it, provision. And, and there was a lot of it that happened, and I'll get into that. Hi. <laughs> prior to um, prior to us even having her, but even that night we were supposed to be we were supposed to be in Gilbert, um, and that fell through at last minute. So we ended up at the Zaring's house in Tempe, a mile and a half from Cardin's. Um, the oper- the surgeon that we had had it been a day earlier wouldn't have been available because she would have been on vacation. So um, she was there and, and shouldn't have probably been there. Um, the women that God put in my life uh, were who I needed in that moment, regardless of when I met them 10 years ago, eight years ago, three years ago. They were, they were the women that I needed uh, by my side at that point in time. Um, and then I just think about like who I am when you strip away everything and I just get into super stress mode or just like this needs to happen. I tend to um, stop thinking uh, in the future, I start to I start to really analyze things in the immediate. So, what do I need in the next thirty minutes, next hour? What needs to happen in the next thirty minutes, next hour? Um, and that helps in that in that moment because in that moment, all you want is another hour. In that moment, all you want is one more hour with your daughter. Um, just give me one more hour was a prayer that we said a lot. Um, and even now, when we look at her and, you know, she's here and she's seven months and she's healthy, it's just give me one more day. Like, I just want one more day. Um, because there's still that realization that she's not ours. And we are so incredibly blessed and thankful to be able to um, watch over her and hopefully raise her in a way that she honors God. Um, but ultimately, God's going to do what he's going to do. And um, and it, it goes so much further than that. So 
I've, um, I've got a favorite song um, that I ended up singing to her when I was finally able to find my voice in there. Um, and uh, it's called Small Enough by Nicole Nordeman, and I, I feel like this is where I kind of go in times of panic. And um, I don't think any of us have problems acknowledging how big God is. God is big. God is huge um, in ways that we can't quantify or understand. But there are moments when, like, deep in your heart, like, I just need to know that you're here. I don't care how big you are right now. I just need to know that you're small enough to be in this room. And um, you guys showed that, believe it or not. So the people that were there for us and the praying for us and people who were praying for her and organizing for her and all of those things, as much as the doctors that walked in and we got to have conversations with them, he showed up in so many small ways to say, I got this. Um, you You can just let this go. Uh, just be here and, and know that, that she's mine and I've got it. Um, and regardless of the outcome, I've had it. Uh, and so that, I think that helps, that, that knowledge and that understanding and being rooted in that um, was huge. And in my most panicked moment, um, after we got through a lot of the physical stuff, and we were so incredibly thankful to get through the physical stuff, we realized um, we hadn't seen the neurologist yet, so... They did uh, a lot of brain scans while she was hypothermic, um, and then they had taken her to do some more later on, and because she, she didn't have oxygen to her brain for upwards of 10 minutes. So um, after all of the physical started to wind down and we, and we were seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, there was this moment of realization um, where I didn't know if I was going to be able to meet my daughter, um, who she was when she was born, Right. And not that we wouldn't have loved her just as much with anything that could have happened in that moment, but there was this immediate feeling of almost loss. Like, what if we don't get to meet our daughter? Um, what if we never get to see what her, her personality is or was or, or anything of that nature? Um, and the neurologist came in that day, and Ralph and I prayed, and I, I just went back to that, like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, we're taking her home, and we didn't think we were taking her home. And he walked in and laid the scans out, and he said... I don't even know how this works. There's not a single sign on her brain that she will end without oxygen. Not a single one. Hmm. Um, there's no shaded spot. There is no, there is no indication that her brain didn't have oxygen for a period of time. Um, your daughter is whole and complete neuro- neurologically. Um, and it, it just felt like another little, told you so. And it was just like, it, it just constantly reaffirmed. He constantly reaffirmed through you guys, through um, others in our community that... Uh, that he is God, and, um, and he's God under control. Anything you have for us, man? Uh, yeah, one, one thing I just I want to make clear and I really, really want to say is, you know, we wanted to come up here. We wanted to share something good with you. Um, we almost felt like we owed it um, to you for the way this congregation came through. And if you are hearing about this for the very first time, uh, than the people that you know in this congregation. You know, they were part of that for us. And if you're here for the very first time and somebody brought you, you know, know that those are the people in this room. And, 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 and that's what was done uh, for us. But I, I, I want to make very, very clear that this isn't the standard. What happened to her could have gone a very different way. And I want to believe with all my heart that we would still be standing up here next to you even without her saying thank you. Um, but this isn't the standard, and it's not the good news that we wanted to share with you either. She's not the, she's not the miracle. She, she was a miracle the day she was born. She 
has always been a miracle. It wouldn't have mattered if we lost her or not. Um, the good news that I wanted to, to share with you is that you're among the people that you're among. And this is how you respond to the gospel. And this is what you did for us. This is what Jesus has led you to be in his name for us. Um, and we get to celebrate the rest of our lives with her. And maybe, you know, people sometimes say to us, you know, I bet she's going to do something great. And, uh, yeah, God did something great. And we might not ever know what that is, you know. She could do anything. I hope that, you know, she's up here with a with a, a elderly Jim Mullins someday. You know, if she's a librarian doing an all of life interview, that would be fantastic. By elderly Jim Mullins, you, you he would look the same. Okay, <laughs> but I mean, she she went through what she went through. But you know, we had people call us and say, you know, I've never prayed before. I, I don't know if it'll work, but I want to do it for the first time. Show me, hmm. you know. There are people that we may never meet that heard this story from someone who heard it from someone else, and it might impact their lives in a way where after this life, they know and we know. Hmm. You know, And, and, and I, I just want you to know that the good news is what God is doing through this church, in other churches, through you, in his name. She's beautiful, but God's it. And, and that's all we really wanted to tell you. Well, you guys thanked him. Would you guys please stand, and then we're going to give thanks to the Lord, and please remain standing as we listen to the word of God being read over us this evening. Father, we thank you so much for your good news and your continuous good news to us. The events that happen in our lives, Father, that you are sovereign and you are good, and you cause or allow all things for our good and for your absolute glory. God, you have given us um, multiple and many reasons um, to praise you, and God, we praise you this morning. In the midst of a world where there's chaos, in the midst of turmoil right now, Lord, you've given us good news and you are always faithful to do such. Your presence is always with us, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for baby Miles. We thank you, Lord, for the message, Lord, that she has been able to be a part of that is communicated. We thank you for Aaron and for Ralph. We pray your blessing upon them and their other three boys and their family. God, may your covenantal love and care keep them and bless them, Lord, and carry them, Lord, into eternity. God, I thank you, Lord, for the witness that they were to us, Lord, about your presence and your work through us and how we may be able to respond respond to be a community. Uh, Jesus, we ask that you would get the praise. We ask that you would get the glory, that you would get the honor. Um, Lord, I pray that this story would revive our faith in you. In Christ's name, amen.